This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. There's a couple things wrong with this room. Tell me. (laughs) My guest today did not like our in-studio setup at NPR West. One, you're too far. Well, that's for sure. I would sit there. I'm not telling you to sit there. Do you want me to sit there? No. Well, now you're challenging me. (laughs) (laughs) I got to sit there. No, don't do it. This is reach out. Reach out. There we go. There you are. (laughs) I missed you so much already. (laughs) From NPR, I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. That guest, the one who wants to get up close and personal with me in the studio, that's Pete Holmes. Pete is a star of HBO's Crashing. He's also a podcast host, an author, and a stand-up comic. In this chat, we talk all about Pete's work in those many, many different mediums. But the two of us were most excited to talk about our souls and faith and belief Pete Holmes, he has a lot of thoughts about spirituality. He was raised this devout Christian kid, like missionary trips to Africa Christian. But one day in adulthood, something happened to Pete and it made him question everything. If you've watched the show Crashing on HBO, you might know what this event was. But if you don't, we'll tell you in this chat. It's perhaps our most spiritual episode of the show. But you know what? I like it. And I'm here for Pete's sermon. Also, listeners, heads up. There's some sensitive language and a general mention of sex in this conversation. Yeah, it's that kind of sermon. Okay, let's get to it. Enjoy. I saw you at the Largo a few months ago. The Largo. I did. You were you were like emceeing the show, but you were for a long time. And you had, who did you have there? Shane Torres. Uh-huh. Naomi Ekran. It's a good show. It was a good show. It was a good show. And I remember you talked a good amount about a new baby. And it was fun to hear and delightful. And it's like, it is one of those things where it's like, having a kid must change everything for a creative. Mm-hmm. Like, all of that stuff that you were saying on stage, all of that comedy, for you, like, none of that existed before your child. Yeah. I mean, how big of a just shift is that? Was that? It, it really is the sort of thing that you can't really remember your life before it. Like, Val and I, that's my wife, will mm-hmm. try and remember, like, what did we used to do? <laughs> and we can't remember. Really? Um, yeah, you, I mean, you can, but it seems like someone else's life, and it seems like your life was always this way. And I mean that in the better. It's all better. Okay. It's all it's better. It's all better. It's all it's better. It's all better. It's all You better. are such a good dad. <laughs> no, I mean, anybody that doesn't understand that it's better, no, I would, I, I would totally hear that out if somebody was like, I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> I would laugh at their yeah. honesty. Yeah. That is not my experience. Everything about it is better as a comedian as as an as a someone trying to make art so much of my life is about me and that's not healthy mm. and you start to see what that does to people you mm. see it in their posture you see it in their eyes i would argue you might even see it on their skin like it is in their hair uh. at a certain point like if you only mine yourself mm. it's not good you think ultimately. it's made your comedy better yeah absolutely absolutely for sure it's made everything better because, well, the first division is when I married Val. Yeah. Then you're like, you're invested in two things. And you start to see the, 
world exists outside of you in this partner. Mm-hmm. But then you have a baby, and that, the baby is obviously so much more dependent on you. Mm-hmm. So even now as we're talking, I'm aware of this other thing that is very, very important to me and dear to me mm-hmm. and her safety and her yeah. goodness. Yeah. So that's, that's a very healthy thing, I think, is for an artist. Yeah. You consider someone else. In a previous interview, you said this thing that I found so beautiful about your daughter, Leela. Uh, you said being with her, especially when she was like a newborn. You said it was, quote, being in the presence of unencumbered awareness. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful thing. That's and an it. idea that I hadn't heard before. Explain that idea of unencumbered awareness for our listeners. Well, you know, it's interesting. It is a spiritual idea, so I hope people don't get turned off. <laughs> Because usually oh. when you talk about spirituality... This is the Jesus episode. We're is going it? there. It's fine. <laughs> if you mention spiritual ideas, people think that you're judging their lifestyle or you mm-hmm. think that they're secretly going to hell. And I'd just mm-hmm. like to dispel that right up top. Yes. So what I'm talking about with awareness is that's who I think we really are, is awareness. Um, the Hindus would call that the Atman. The Christians would call it a soul. Mm-hmm. Buddhas would call it the Buddha nature. Every Every major religion has an idea for you are awareness. So when you have a thought like I am Sam, what you really are is the quiet stillness behind that thought that's hearing it. You ever wonder who you're talking to? When myself. You're like, I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah, you're talking to your, myself, but I would capitalize that okay. myself. Or I'd capitalize that S, myself. Like you're talking to the nature of being. So what happens is we're born and we are awareness. You're just awareness. You just are consciousness. Yeah. And then you start to inherit a story. Well, because you were saying that, like, she doesn't know who she is. She, she doesn't. doesn't know if she's a she doesn't know girl she's a girl. boy. She doesn't know what the world is. She just knows that she's looking around. That's right. She's just here. She's just here and now, just, which is all presence and consciousness ever is. It's just here and now. It only exists here and now. Yeah. She's getting less and less purely present, which is mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. If she wasn't, I'd be very concerned. Yeah. <laughs> she needs to learn how to be a person. Yeah. And then I would say in your 30s and, and 40s, you can f- learn how to not s- to stop being a person. <laughs> that, that's, that's a yeah. fun thing to do, yeah. too. Yeah. But I've sat with great spiritual teachers and being with a baby. Um, I think it helps if it's your own baby, but it doesn't have to be. If you can be as present as a baby and, and just sit with a baby, that's as good as flying to India any day. How do you build that unencumbered awareness into your day? With awareness, with being aware that that's what you'd like to do. (laughs) And in fact, like, even if you're like, let's say you're having something happen that you think isn't very present, Mm -hmm. your awareness that you're not being present is is the antidote. It's like some people call it the light of your awareness. And the light of your awareness will cast out any of that. You know, for the longest time, I would be mad at myself for being mad about things. And now I'm trying to be just like, I'm mad. Yeah, what's wrong with I'm angry, right? This is a natural state of being. I would add Sam is angry. You know, what does that That, do for it? (laughs) It depersonalizes it. When you say I am angry, you're identifying with an emotion, which where is all of spirituality is not identifying yourself with all that changes. Everything changes. When you were a kid, I, I always liked to when I was growing up, mm-hmm. I was Republican, I was pro gun, I was pro life. More you, yeah. I, I was anti abortion. I like to I pro life just everybody's pro life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was anti abortion. That's a that's a nicer yeah. way to put it. And and now I have other feelings, other thoughts. Mm-hmm. But what was the same? That's why I don't really care what people believe. I don't really care what they think. I, I care about how they behave and often our beliefs and indicate how we're going to behave. So that's important. But if we're talking philosophically or ideologically, I don't really care what you think. I care 
how much you can identify with that which witnesses the thoughts. So when you say, when I say Pete is depressed, I am mm-hmm. not identifying with the depression. I'm saying I am the awareness that notices the depression. And I'll be here tomorrow when he's not depressed. <laughs> you see? Yeah. We get a little bit lost. We get a little bit lost in our feelings and our thoughts when really we know they're all on fire. They're all changing. Your thoughts are changing. Your beliefs are changing. Who you are isn't who you are. That's the whole, that's all spirituality. It's not, you're not, you're not your thoughts and you're not your emotions either. What are you then? You're the awareness observing those things. You feel it. That can be frustrating. Which part? Well, are you ever frustrated by saying I'm just awareness? Because like, don't you want to someday say I am accomplished? I have done things. I am somebody. Look at my body of That's work. That's what I've done for 40 years for sure, and I'm still doing it. And I just do it differently. But you're absolutely right. You're a good interviewer, Sam. You're right on the money. Because if you were to call me on my I am a person who's built up a very shiny ego or false self. You want to call it that. And I'm very, I like it. I get a lot of juice out of it. It's a fun play. And that's what Leela means. That's my daughter's name. It means dance or play of life. So that's the different approach. I look at my ego and my job and my specialness as just a game, as a dance that's happening. Mm. It's beautiful. It's fine. I can honor it. Yeah. But I know that it's not the real show. Mm. How could it be? People think like when I die, they'll look, oh, Pete was a good dad and a good husband and deep thinker and all stuff. And I was like, who cares what they say at my funeral? Everybody, 100 years, as Ray Romano said to me, 100 years, all new people. There has to be another game going on here other than just erecting monuments to ourselves Mm. and then burning them down so new people can put up monuments, Mm. like cemeteries. Oh, that'll be my tombstone one day. And it'll say that I was so special. That's what I love about watching old Hollywood movies. Like, look at these stars. Look at how special they are. You don't even know their name. Don't do it. That's... That's why, on one hand, spirituality is the opposite of what people want to hear, is that you, you're you basically selling death. You're saying it's all nonsense. Mm. But on the other hand, you're saying it's the only game in town is to wake up to the impermanence and the silliness of your game. And then, really, you can have it all. You can be free and still operate in the world. That's what Jesus means when he says, be in the world, but not of the world, or that idea, be in the world, not of the world. Yeah. Time for a break. Coming up. I wouldn't be who I am if I didn't have this wound, right? This bad thing that had happened. Pete reveals the wound. And more. Listeners, heads up. There's some talk about sex in this next section. All right, BRB. Support for this podcast is brought to you by Discover Card. You check things all the time, like your email or social media. But Discover asks, what about checking something as important as your credit score? Well, Discover makes it quick and easy with their credit scorecard, which is free for everyone, even if you're not a customer. See your FICO credit score and other important credit information. And once you know your score, you should check to see if your current credit card is the best fit for you. Learn more at discover.com slash credit scorecard. Limitations apply. Happy Halloween, nerds. This week, don't miss a special spooky batch of episodes from NPR's new daily science podcast, Shortwave. We're going to talk about parasites that take over and control the brains of their hosts. Yes. Much like a podcaster does to their audience. (laughs) Listen and subscribe to Shortwave from NPR. 
I want to talk about a time in your life that has led to a lot of your output from the last few years. You know, this event led to the show, led to the book, and it was this moment uh, when your first wife left you. Mm-hmm. Are you? Can we talk about that? Of course. Okay. As you just Good. mentioned, I've milked it. <laughs> I've milked it quite a bit. Listen, that's I, uh, you, I, you when got I wrote to. when I wrote the book. I was like, I think this is the last thing. It does not bother me okay. at all. I'd love to Good. talk about Good. it. So, for folks who haven't read the book yet, haven't watched the show yet, um, you had been married. What? How long? We had been together for seven years. Okay. We had been married for six of those years. Okay. And then y'all were in. Were y'all in New York? Was it? We lived in Brooklyn. We lived in Brooklyn. And then she just left you. And then, I mean, like, the big thing about it was that it made you kind of question your belief. But, like, I want you to tell our listeners, I mean, like, what was the biggest question that came to you after she left in terms of? Well, I mean, it, it. this sounds so cliche. It was the greatest thing that ever could have happened to me. And I don't mean that. There's a certain way that my father, for example, would take that because my wife left me and then I made a show out of it. So there's like a who's laughing now. Yeah, it cashed out. Yeah. That is not at all what I mean. Okay. <laughs> you got a show and, and kind of a book. Yeah, and a book and a podcast. I mean, I don't think my podcast would be anything. I wouldn't be who I am if I didn't have this wound, right, this bad thing that mm. had happened. Mm. And basically up until the point I was 28 when I when my wife left me, my first wife, Nothing really bad had happened to me. I had lost some grandparents and stuff, basic things, but nothing, no tragedies. Nothing Mm. that really, like, shook up my Mm. world and made it impossible to, like, Mm. function for a little while. So that was the big bet. So 28 years, very good. good, That's a good run. Very good run. It's a very good run. But it's going to shape your worldview. I realized that the God that I believed in up until that point was basically like the mafia. If I did what he told me to do, uh. he would protect me. Uh. And I had a lot of evidence for that. Yeah. I didn't smoke. I didn't drink. I didn't swear. I didn't have sex. I didn't do all these things. Um, and there was my life. Things were pretty much going very nicely. I, there was no like worldly success to speak of. I was open micing it at the time as a comedian. But I was pretty. I was very happy and mm-hmm. soft and mm-hmm. protected. <laughs> yeah. And then wife leaves the wife that you married to appease this god because this god told you not to have sex before marriage and he told you to procreate and he told you to do yeah. all that yeah. yeah be fruitful and multiply i was like i'm doing what you told me to do really through the mouth of the one of his great prophets my mother <laughs> my mother was like you should get married and i was like all yes. mo- all mothers yes that's right god's greatest prophets <laughs> listen they they would like to think they are um but anyway my mom told me I should get married, and she was sort of representing our thing, which was the church yeah. and was faith. What denomination? Non-denominational, but it was, it was very evangelical feeling. And, and then, then? And then even though I was paying my protection money, someone still burned down my bakery. Mm. That's how I looked at mm. it. And mm. I was like, I don't understand. I really didn't understand. I thought I was your guy. I did what you told me to do. Why would you allow the marriage that was your idea to end? That's basically how I... Mm-hmm. And then I realized I just had no model for suffering within my faith whatsoever. It was what... Um, I forget who wrote it, but they call him a slot machine god, or it's a Santa Claus model. Mm-hmm. It's basically Zeus, 
most of our Western understanding of God really yeah. is a Greek understanding of God, yeah. which is taking the attributes and the characteristics of Zeus and putting them on the God of the Old Testament. Yeah. We're talking about an old man in the sky. Who's angry. Who's angry with who lightning bolts. clear rules and, and can do whatever he wants to punish you. And wants to – you negotiate with this person. This yes. is a very Greek idea. Yes. There's some of that in the Bible, but really we're kind of blending. Yeah. So then if your conceptualization of God before your wife left you was Zeus – what did it become after that? Well, at first, it, it sort of became um, a relaxed atheism. Okay. <laughs> Meaning I didn't – some atheists I know are – You didn't tell everyone you know that you're an atheist? <laughs> Thank goodness. It was – I wasn't as thoughtful as a lot of the atheists I know. A lot of the atheists I know do they the work. They lay out the logic And they figure you. it out. Yes. I was more, I'm going to stop thinking about this. And just to give my brain some way to interpret that, I'm going to kind of think, oh, I, I don't really believe – and God anymore. Yeah. It's a little too simple to say my wife left and then I was like, well, forget you, God. What really happened was my wife left and then I thought, well, this God must be different from how I was imagining mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. because this happened. Mm-hmm. So that did not compute. And then so I let him go. And then when I let him go, all the doubts that I had been having my entire life as a believer were allowed to come in and just sort of have a sandwich with me. Like they didn't just <laughs> come in and win. But when you're – you sort of forget, I do, that when you are really fundamentally a religious person, a Mm -hmm. fundamentalist, Mm -hmm. there are certain thoughts you're not allowed to have. Yes. And you marshal this. Yes. You're the one that says no. You better not think about sex. You stop yourself – well, that's the beginning. Forget that. That's a whole other can of worms. But yeah, you stop yourself from thinking about sex. You stop yourself from thinking about negative things, Mm -hmm. ugly things, hateful things. Mm -hmm. And so then where do you you end up after that from Zeus God to what – God. Well, I was sort of like, which is where a lot of people stop, I think, Mm -hmm. is a deconstruction period. Mm. And I I like to get out as much as I can that I think a thoughtful person should only deconstruct their faith for four years maximum. (laughs) That's a very specific time. I don't think you should spend more time deconstructing your faith than you took going to high school. Like, you should get it done. Get it done. I don't want you to be 45 and telling me that they didn't write down anything Jesus said until 150 years after he died. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Yeah. Move on, David. You know what I mean? Like, do better. Yes. Not for me, yes. for you. Yes. For you. Yes. Do better. Yes. It's like, it's so fun to tear things down and to be hurt about how you were lied to and the church manipulated you and they made you believe these things you didn't want to believe. And it turns out that the Bible has all these, oh, look at these contradictions and all that stuff. Great. Four years. That's what you got. And then you know what you need to do? Drop it Mm -hmm. and just be like, it's all nonsense. Mm -hmm. Or thoughtfully start to reconstruct and reconstruct however you see fit. This is what life is about. Yes. It's about taking new data let yeah. your faith be alive. What's the elevator pitch for your new assessment from that new data of God for you? Well, first of all, <laughs> <laughs> it's really important that people don't believe what I believe. I, I don't care if people believe what I believe. Yeah, and but I, I want to know what you I, I know, and I'm telling you, <laughs> yeah. but I want people to know that I think everybody needs to sort of find what fits for them, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. The definition for God that really made me start thinking and softening and opening the door back up to the belief in God was Joseph Campbell's. And Joseph Campbell said that God is a metaphor for a mystery that absolutely transcends all categories of human thought, including being and non-being. Now you just triggered Sarah McLachlan's building a mystery in my head. Ah, 
We used to think that song was offensive because she says, a cross from a faith that died before Jesus came. And one of my overly sensitive friends was like, does she mean Christianity died before Jesus came back? And I was like, no, Joe. It's a cross from a different faith. He's a quirky guy. Yeah. That's what the song's about. Yeah. And he's building yeah. a mystery. Yeah. So this, so unpack that mystery. I will, but I'll say it even yes. easier. Okay. Everyone agrees that this is a mystery. Yeah. As I, I write in the book, I say science is trying to photograph it, and I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. The mystic, which is what I'm trying to do now, that is trying to feel it. It's trying to experience yeah. it. Yeah. It's beyond the categories of knowing and non-knowing. It's, it's mm-hmm. not binary. Mm-hmm. It's not dualistic. It's something else. It's another thing that can be experienced that you can become and participate and mm-hmm. flow with, but you'll never yank it into your brain mm-hmm. the way you Amazon Prime, you know, a new water pick. It's not going to come to you that way. Mm-hmm. The ego would like to know what God is. Mm-hmm. The ego would like to know what the, the mystery is. But you have to, at a certain point, go, we are dogs trying to understand the internet. It's beautiful how mm-hmm. far we've come. Mm-hmm. I'm not being anti-intellectual. I'm saying let's keep going. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable mm-hmm. what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's about you here and now. Yeah. All right. One more break right here. When we come back, Pete tells me why he's embraced uplift in his comedy instead of darkness. After the break. Support for NPR and the following message come from the American Cancer Society. Dr. Alpa Patel leads a team that researches cancer risk factors, and she shares how her team makes an impact. We always do what we like to think of as actionable science. So the work that we do makes its way to things like nutrition and physical activity guidelines for cancer.org, where millions of people come each year to learn about how they can better prevent cancer. To learn more, go to cancer.org. This message comes from NPR sponsor Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to viore.com NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. What does it mean to be black in America? In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as black experiences, you'll hear. It means everything. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts. 